This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. Yeah, he's a tough kid, you know, and I, I think that – not a tough kid. He's a, he is a tough young man. And, uh, you know, I think he does a really nice job of compartmentalizing the noise and all that and just kind of, you know, he's trying to adopt, you know, Coach Rule's mindset and our mindset as a coaching staff. Just it's all about us. It's all about coming and controlling what you can control. I know it's a lot of coach talk, but it's all truths. And if you are disciplined enough to do that, then life's a lot, a lot better and you can develop a lot quicker. It's hour number three here on Herd at Sports Radio. We are on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are joined now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by our good friend Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7. Brunts, what's going on, bud? Hey, how you doing? We are doing well. So a very important question we have to ask you right off the bat here. Uh, it's been a, a topic of hot debate over the course of the show. Um, we've we've started devising what we believe to be appropriate punishments for Michigan, and we'd like you to choose the best one so far, okay? Okay. All right, number one, we've had a suggestion from Ken on YouTube that they remove headsets for three games so they get no communication between the, the, the coaches in the box and on the field. That's number one. Number two, we have a suggestion that they have to play all of the, the Big Ten's Friday night games since they complained the most about it. <laughs> they have to play all the Friday night games. That's number two. Number three, they have to do an extensive book report on Connor Stallion's manifesto, and it will be graded by a neutral university's English professors. If they do not pass, they don't get to play against Ohio State. <laughs> and then the last one is a 24-hour watch party of... Michigan's losses to either Ohio State, whether it's one game, multiple games, or the TCU game, just their losses, it's, it's 24 hours straight, and if you fall asleep or if one person dozes off, it restarts. Kind of a clockwork orange situation there, Bruns. Yeah, you're holding their eyes open. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the book report idea, I don't, I don't hate. 
why do they? Why does this have to be mutually exclusive? Why can't you? Why can't you use multiple ones? I mean, we hey, can't. You know, we listen, can use all four. You're given the answer here. You mix and match however you feel is appropriate. Yeah, the the, the headset one's actually kind of interesting to me. Um, I, I don't. I, I can't remember who came up with that one, but that that. Like, if you want, like, a half season with that kind of competitive disadvantage, like, would that be – like, would that cost them games? Like, it feels like that would be uh, – that that would be a significant disadvantage that, that I would actually uh, – that's pretty creative. I like that one. Yeah, um, that was Ken from YouTube. Got to give Ken his credit there, yeah. Yeah, give give Ken some credit there. That's a good one, Ken. I, I – I, uh, I, I, that, that probably doesn't fall in the realistic ones, but that's a pretty creative one. I like that one. Um the, the Ohio State one, though that that would be uh, that'd be pretty good. The the book report, the, that and the book report. Like maybe if you wrote the book report and then you followed that with twenty four hours. Of Buckeye <laughs> <highlights>. <laughs> Just all all Buckeye highlights all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brunts, as we uh, get to Nebraska stuff here, I guess uh, less less fun questions. No, um, the uh, Nebraska. The game against Maryland obviously is hyper important in terms of trying to get bowl eligible and all of these things. Is it, in your opinion, where does it rank on the likelihood of Nebraska getting a win in their last three games? Where does Maryland rank there? Um, I think I think high um, of, of the three. I mean, I, I think. If you're just kind of handicapping the three games, I mean, you've got a, a Maryland team coming in that's struggling, which I mean sounds pretty similar to last week. But um, you know, a, a, a team that you have, you know, me in, in Maryland questioning how uh, dialed in they've been at, on this losing streak. Um, you know, it, it, it is a, a matchup though that it feels like the things that Maryland does well, Nebraska doesn't necessarily necessarily do well and kind of vice versa so that's kind of a tough one but I mean I don't think you know Nebraska's had its demons with Wisconsin for you know going on a decade now I think that's still a pretty tough game even though um, you know that they're obviously struggling um, in different ways than Nebraska is and I don't know that you want to go into that that home game against Iowa having to win a 10-7 game to get to a bowl game. It's just I, that that seems more fraught with pressure. And you guys know how it is around here. If, if you drop two going into that Iowa game to have to get bowl eligible, I mean, it, it's going to be you know pucker time around here. There's going to be a lot of, <laughs> a, a, a lot of a lot of stress. You're going to feel it in the stadium. There's, the groans are going to be a little bit louder when things don't go right. And so I, I think you want to avoid that. So I, I think Maryland is, is the most likely of the three. I, I just, uh, as bad as Iowa is, and their their offense is worse than Nebraska's, I just I, I don't know that I would trust Nebraska enough with the way that they're currently uh, currently set up to, to go in and win that kind of game. It, it just seems very, very unlikely to me, even though, um, you know, you probably you, you got to hide the women and children because it's going to be an ugly game. <laughs> uh, Brunts, do you think it's more likely Nebraska beats Iowa if they've already gotten that sixth win to take some of that pressure off? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I think it helps. I, I think this is a team that. I mean, let's face. It, I mean, this is still a program that, that's. Even though Matt Rule said this week they've learned how to win, I mean they, they haven't 
I, I don't know that they're there yet. And that the type of game that that has to be, or that I think it has to be, which is a low mistake field position. Um, you know, it, it really is, it's, it's kind of, you know, for lack of a better cliche trench warfare. I mean, you're, you're totally playing the punt and field position game that whole time and hoping you can make a field goal or two, or, you know, somebody screws up and makes a mistake uh, and you get a special teams or a defensive touchdown. I mean, I, I just don't know that Nebraska's built that way yet. So I, I think if, if you're, you know, the, the pressure's off a little bit, you're kind of playing a house money game against a rival. I think maybe you play a little bit more freely in that game than if you, you've, uh, what would it be, four in a row, let's see, four in a row by, or three in a row by that point, mm-hmm. um, and then got, and just kind of feeling the, the weight of everything. Because I've I, I, been around here enough, I know how it is. And I think that the outside noise on that game would be really tough for a young team learning how to win. Uh, Bruncey, uh, I asked this hypothetical on the show yesterday, and it kind of fits into what you were saying in that first response, um, that if the Huskers were 5-6 and six going into that Iowa game, um, you know, it, it would people would be uh, on edge, uneasy, right? But if they lose that game... Say they were five and six, and they lost, and finished the season five and seven. Is that considered a disappointing season, considering the stakes? Yeah, I, I would. I would think it would. I. I mean, everybody. I, I think most most thinking people coming into this season had Nebraska at about a six win mark. I mean, I think that's the, the five and seven to seven and five range is where I heard a lot of predictions going into the year. Mm-hmm. So. Hypothetically, you finish five and seven. You finish within that um, that range. Okay, I mean you're you're a developing program. You're overhauling a lot of things. You've obviously had a lot of injuries. That said, um, you, you limped in. You, you would be limping into the end of a season again. No bowl game with you know you, you kind of had the table set for you. I mean you, you needed one more win to get bowl eligible. You played a team without a head coach. You would be playing a, um, you know, probably a, a six-win Maryland team if that's the way things went. You would be playing a Wisconsin team that's trying to find itself under a first-year head coach with a lot of lots of injuries on offense to key guys, and an Iowa team with a lame lame duck um, offensive coordinator and a quarterback that's, you know, probably even worse than what you've got. So, yeah, th- that would feel a little bit. Um, a little bit of a letdown going into the the end of the season when you're trying to build momentum. So, you know, the the bar is six wins right now. I think you need to get over that. You know, I I know Nebraska's made progress in areas this year, but it, it would feel like you didn't get the job done when it was, you know, set up pretty well for you to do so. Brunt, I'm curious. Do you think that we'll see a quarterback other than Heinrich Harburg if Harburg is healthy, like do you do you think there's a scenario in which either no. per just no, no, I don't, um, I don't. I mean, I I don't think that uh, I, I don't that they never considered a change against Michigan State. Um, I, I I don't get the sense that there's a they're they're saying there's outward confidence about the two backups, and that might be the case, but the the way things have acted and been carried out to this point, I would not suggest that. I mean, you know, Jeff Sims coming in for that little 
burst of action a couple weeks ago did not look like a guy that was ready to take the ball and, and run with it. Um, you know, Chubba Purdy, I don't, I don't know. He's healthy now. I mean, I, I don't think he's a huge factor there for him right now. I mean, I, I just don't. I, based on what they said this week, I think it's Harbor, and, and that's who they're rolling with. And uh, if he's healthy, I, I, I think they continue to roll with him. Um, you know, I, I, there's been a couple games here like, okay, maybe if they threw somebody in there now, they'd get a little bit of a spark or whatever, but they haven't done so. And I, I think at this point you kind of roll with what you got. And uh, I, I think that's Heinrich Harburg right now, for better or for worse. Bruncey, there's a lot that needs tinkering, but Michael Brunts thinks Nebraska needs to start where? In season or, or In season, right now. Um... Well, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think you saw against Michigan State how fine the margin is. Um, if you get a couple big plays in that game, and, and, and you know, literally two or three on offense, uh, that that game looks a little bit different. I, I think, you know, the, the tinkering needs to be how do you find four big plays on offense during the course of a game, uh, whether that's Heinrich Harburg doing it with his feet, whether that's, you know, a, a deep ball to Lloyd or Coleman or something like that. Um, that's one thing you got to find a way to scheme up. Um, the other, I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more of, of the backs. Um, you know, what do you have like 27 combined carries between Grant and Johnson with a little bit of Josh Fleek sprinkled in there as well. I mean, that's fine. But I think, you know, the, I think the Maryland game is the type of game where, you know, Nebraska should up front be able to get something done with a traditional running game. And I think sometimes they've gotten away from that a little bit quickly. Uh, I think sometimes I've gotten away from that when it's been working. I mean, I, I think the first drive of the the Michigan State game, or the second half of the Michigan State game, is a good example of that, where you get you know two you know ten plus ten yard plus runs, and then you know you 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 just don't go back to it. So I, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, but I mean, I, I think this offense right now is, is kind of you know who they are, um, and, and you just got to try to take the, take care of the ball as much as you can, find a couple big plays, and uh, let Emma Johnson and Anthony Grant work a little bit more. I think that that's kind of the recipe going forward. Bruns, let's answer the other half of that question you asked in season or after the season. Let's let's address the after the season part. Obviously, quarterbacks a situation they're probably going to address, but what what are your biggest areas of hey Nebraska really has to hammer this and get it right in the offseason going into next year based on what we've seen so far? Quarterback. I mean, I, I think that's the big one. Um, it's the most important position on the field, and I think Nebraska has taken small steps with offensive line. I think, you know, running back, you're, you're probably going to need to add more depth there. They don't have a current running back commit in the class, so you're, you're probably looking portal there. But um, you got to find a way to, to get the quarterback position right, whether that's coaching up Harburg, I think you got to go into the portal and find somebody. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not convinced that Nebraska's starting quarterback for next season is on the roster right now. I mean, I don't think that's a, a real hot take, but um, you're adding Danny Kalo into the mix, which I, I think he's got a bright future, but you, you've got to find a way to get a couple guys in that group that you feel good about rolling into 2024 with. So um, that, that's going to be where all eyes are. Um, and, I, you know, the, the offensive line is kind of going to be an interesting thing because you, you've got a lot of veterans right now. You're probably going to flip that group uh, 
somewhat because um, you, you kind of have a lot of old guys and a lot of young guys. So how do you kind of bridge that gap? Uh, I'll be interested to see how they do that. But, I mean, it, it, it's a simple answer, but, I mean, quarterback's the, the biggest to do um, for, for this team uh, in the offseason. Bruns, if Nebraska had a league average quarterback, how many wins would they have right now? Uh, well, you, 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 a league average. Uh, well, a different, um, a different league than the Big Ten West. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that, that's a pretty wide. I don't know if you want to go, go uh, average there. Do you want to go median? Um, no, I, I would say, well, I mean, Minnesota. I mean, I, I think, you know, Minnesota, you probably win that one. I think you you know, probably have a pretty good case to be made that you you beat Michigan State on the road. Um, and that's not, you know, to hang those losses on the on strictly on the quarterback spot. But, I mean, if you're, let's just say you're able to complete 60% of your passes versus, you know, what they are now or, you know, a little bit higher level, um, I think, you know, things look a lot different. And, um, you know, if you have somebody that with a little bit of uh, ability to run, too, I, I think that would be even better for this offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think those two, you, you probably circle those more than others that you would have had a pretty good shot there to be, be sitting, uh, sitting ball eligible right now uh, with, with a little bit better um, and a little bit more, mainly just more efficiency. I mean, if you solve the turnover problems, uh, you know, I think this team would be a lot better off for it because they've got the defense. The defense to back that up and, and special teams has been at least good enough um, at, at times to to hold up its end of the bargain too. Brunty Maryland has turned the football over nine times in the last four games. For a defense that doesn't force a lot of turnovers, how important will it be to find ways to exploit those offensive flaws? Um, because as we know, they put some emphasis on that this week. Uh, even hearing from Tony White on Tuesday. Yeah, well, well, Michigan State had turned over the ball about as much as Nebraska had over the last week, too. So, mm, true. Um, you know, it's, it's not a guarantee that uh, past performances equal uh, results for Nebraska's opponents. Um, yeah, it, it's it's got they, they got to get a couple turnovers. I mean, the the, the turnover stat is, is the biggest for this team. Um, if you can at least keep it close to even, I'm not even talking about winning the turnover battle, but uh, just keeping it at zero, I think, would be a big win and, and probably, you know, results in a win for Nebraska. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, from what Tony White said on Tuesday, and, and I think this is true if you kind of go back and watch that Michigan State game, I mean, they the defense was playing on its heels in the first half. Um, you know, they, they still played well enough to win. They played well enough, but maybe not as well as they had in previous weeks. So I'm expecting a little bit more aggression uh, in the, the play calls from Tony White. Certainly Maryland's. Uh, quarterback presents some issues with his ability to run around and, and keep plays alive. But, you know, you're at home. This is kind of a must win. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're coming off a performance that you felt like wasn't really up to, up to snuff. And even the Purdue game, I mean, I think they kind of felt the same way. So this is a chance to go out and be a little bit more aggressive. And maybe you do force a couple turnovers and, and, and get off to a quick start finally. So, uh, you know, the turnover piece of it's going to be big. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I mean, based on what Tony White said Tuesday, I don't think that they're going to be just sitting back and, and turning this game into a seven-on-seven matchup. That, that's not a, a recipe to beat Maryland. He's pretty darn good through the air. Yeah, Brunson, as you kind of watched Nebraska struggle against not a great 
um, maybe struggles too too strong of a word, but have some lapses against not a great Michigan State passing attack. I guess where is your level of confidence in that defense and particularly the secondary uh, going into a, a game against a, a much better passing team? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think okay. I mean, I think I, in some ways the, this, this, the skill players on Purdue's roster feels somewhat similar to what Maryland had, or Purdue and Maryland feel kind of similar in that way. Um, you know, I, I think as much as, you know, you want to focus on the secondary in this game, uh, it, to me it's more about what can Nebraska get done up front. I mean, if, if Huttmacher and Ty Robinson and Cam Linhart and those guys and, and Jamari Butler and those guys are able to get pressure um, and win one-on-ones up front, I mean, that, that that's a huge thing. And I didn't think against Michigan State that, that the defensive line had a great, you know, maybe first two and a half quarters in that game. I felt like Michigan State was able to kind of control things uh, at the line of scrimmage, even though they weren't running the ball particularly well, but, I mean, they protected well enough. So um, I'll be watching those guys because on that three-game win streak that Nebraska had, um, none of those teams had interior linemen that could handle Huttmacher and and what those guys were able to do. So I I think that's going to be – real important for them to to kind of be able to handle things because where you run into trouble is if you've got you know above average skill players uh you're having to cover for five six seven seconds i mean that's a tough recipe so if those guys up front have a good game i think nebraska's defense will be okay and like i said i mean i think nebraska has to um force the issue a little bit more too um earlier on if they're not winning those battles so uh, we'll see how they kind of adjust, but I, I would expect a little bit more aggression this week. Brunty, we heard it from Coach Rule. Coach White really took on the blame, too. What do you think of the ownership this staff took on the loss last weekend and how that possibly impacts the players from a confidence standpoint this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, players hear that, and I'm sh- I don't know that there's, I don't know that there's really been an, ever been a, a, a time where, this coaching staff has said something to the media that they wouldn't say in front of the players. So I'm sure in the locker room, there was a lot of that discussion going on. Um, you know, I, I think they're, they're, they're very honest about, um, you know, kind of film review. And when, when players aren't doing things right, I, I think they kind of are, are willing to, for lack of a better phrase, uh, point the thumb as well, if they have to. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think that there's a little bit of reflection there that you know Tony White understands what what went wrong in that game. He probably played a little bit of a role in it, and you know the, you, you come back out and try and do a little bit better against Maryland. Um, you know, I, I there's going to be a little bit of pressure on both sides of this game. I mean, Maryland probably sees this as their best opportunity to get to a bowl game too, so they're going to be a little bit more dialed in. But um, you know, I I I, I don't think that. Uh, I don't think Nebraska's going to have too much trouble bouncing back from the way Michigan State played out. And I, and I think part of that is, you know, this coaching staff's really coaching these guys hard. They have all season. And I think they, under, they, they understand as they get to November, you kind of have to, to do that a little bit more. And part of that is, is accepting it when uh, maybe you haven't been up to snuff, too.
Brunt's about 90 seconds left here. I wanted to switch gears real quick. Uh, obviously, you're a Miller North guy, and there was some big news in the Miller North family this week with uh, Coach Fred Petito retiring after 41 years. I know he didn't get his first uh, state title while you were there. He waited until a, a young, intrepid uh, reporter took over a sports editor from you in a, around 02. But um, wanted to uh, just see what if you had any, uh, I guess, thoughts or memories about just covering Coach Petito back in the early 2000s and, and his time at Miller North? Yeah, no, I, I always, uh, he was always really generous with his time, um, more so than he should have been probably with, with high school journalists <laughs> and talking through things. And um, I mean, you have to remember, it, it, I, I was at Miller North from 99 to 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I mean, they had some good teams and they, you know, fell short in some pretty disappointing circumstances. I mean, they had a the O one team goes out to North Platte and gets beat by, uh, you know, really upset uh, by by North Platte and a, a young Danny Woodhead kind of ran wild that day. Yep. Um, and I, I know there was a lot of disappointment on on you know his part, especially after that game that you know they felt like they had a team that was a state title winner, um, and you know he just kind of kept you know one foot in front of the other. Um, the offense never changed, um, and, and you know a lot of a lot of great uh, players came through there, in large part because of his coaching and also just the, the love that he had for that program. That's Michael Brunts from Husker 24/7. Brunts, we appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Brunty. Coming up next, we've got a little bit more of that Herdat hot seat here on Herdat Sports Radio.